This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to Hits K9 Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have Bill Lewis back with me again. Bill's a wealth of knowledge and I love picking his brain about different things. And uh, he puts out a really good uh, email newsletter. And if you're not on it, I'm going to let him give you where you sign up for it. But he does, um, his his email newsletter is called, correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, it's how we get in trouble or? Uh, well, one of them is reasons we get in trouble. Reason we get in trouble. Yep. Thank you. So it, it, he's got a couple of them. I'm going to let him t- tell you how to sign up for him. But I'm going to tell you at the beginning of this podcast, I really recommend signing up for him because uh, I like getting his newsletters. I always get something out of each one of them. So they're, they're good. They're a really good uh, source of information. Sometimes it's a, it's a general reminder on things. But then even on those, there's uh, new tidbits for you to think about and see what you're doing. So with that, uh, Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Jeff. Thanks for uh, having me back. I know we've done several uh, these uh, podcasts, but can you just tell in case uh, someone is catching this for the first time with you, can you just give me a little uh, bit of background about your career? Sure. I um, I worked at the Oxnard Police Department in uh, California. I was there almost 28 years and uh, most relevant to what we're doing today. I was a canine handler for four years. I was a canine supervisor for nine years. And I spent 25 years on SWAT, uh, 18 of those years as a team leader. And in the later years that I worked there, we incorporated dogs into our SWAT program. Um, And I retired in December of 2005. And since then, I've been instructing and teaching liability and some tactics and publishing articles and defending officers uh, in federal lawsuits uh, as an expert witness and staying busy putting out these reasons we get in trouble and doing a few other articles. Yeah, I know you. I know you've stayed busy for the whole time you've been retired, and I appreciate. Yeah, it's funny. I was having a, a a discussion a while back with a friend of mine, and and we were talking about expert witnesses, and and I do some of that myself. I know that you're doing it for the cops, and uh, we were talking about somebody who was testifying against the cops, but but the shtick that that person said was, "Well, I'm just trying to make the industry better," and uh, I do. I don't buy it because they were making a whole bunch of money testifying against the cops. You or I, or many of uh, you know those that that have been around for a while, could probably make a bunch of money testifying against the cops. But truly, you're one of the people who really want to make the industry better. It's not, and that's why what my hang up with this other person was, they were hiding behind trying to say they want to make the industry better, and they were actually making hundreds of dollars an hour to to screw over cops on on things that they could probably make a phone call and say, hey, let's do this a little bit better and actually help. So I, I just say that because I appreciate that uh, that you're, you're out there uh, working hard and, and with all the different things you do, truly does, you know, helps out a lot of officers. So I appreciate that kind of hard work from, you know, anybody who's doing it. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So I thought we'd talk today. Um, you put out a newsletter just recently and it's about uh, the, the verbiage of, of canine announcements. And I know you and I also have had a few discussions about some things that we put into reports um, afterwards, you know, after a, a contact with a dog. So I thought that this might be a timely time to maybe uh, look at, you know, your reports, 
anything new to add based on the the crazy world we live in and also uh you know based on the the newsletter you put out so with that i'll maybe i'll let you talk about the the newsletter you put out recently and and some of your thoughts on that well it's it's kind of a coincidental um you know in the state of washington and i just taught a class there last week maybe two weeks ago now lose track sometimes time uh but i did a class in washington and and I stay in touch with a lot of California agencies, and these guys are under attack by legislators in California, the attorney general, um, and, and people just really want to get rid of police dogs yeah. in general. And, and one of the reasons that they use to support that is because the dog presents a, such a – that when the dogs bite people, they severely injure them. And, um, and we know, of course, that that's not always the case. But a lot of times we don't sell ourselves and defend ourselves properly. We just kind of, we get upset when people accuse us things. But these two states and some other states across the country are, they're getting hammered. And one of the things that, that I realized again after teaching this class uh, recently was, um, this defensiveness sometimes that we have about, it's as simple as a warning. Sure. And we like to say, you know, for the most part, and there are warnings out there that, that vary somewhat, but again, we have to announce our authority, we have to announce what we want somebody to do, and we have to announce the consequences uh, if somebody doesn't cooperate. And one of the things, one of the parts of our, our warnings is, if you don't come out, or whatever you say, the police dog is going to bite you. And, and that's what we say. The police dog will bite you. And that's, that's great um, if that dog does bite you. But here's the flip side of that. And we, at my place, we always said, may bite yes. you. Now, we did that for two reasons. One, because we were we trained for the garden bark or the bark and hold. But we didn't really deploy for a garden bark or bark and hold. We, we deployed expecting our dogs to bite somebody. But we still included the term, may bite you. And if you look at it from a statistic standpoint, and I ask this to any handler out there listening right now or any supervisor listening right now. How often does your dog bite somebody when they find them? Exactly. And, and, and generally, well, just in my, my, my recent class, uh, the bite ratio in the class for the agency ranged from 3% to 25%. And what that told me, and when I brought this to their attention, it showed that, you know, uh, 75 to 97% of the time, the dog either located somebody or somebody surrendered, but they didn't get bit. So we might think to ourselves, Bill, it's not a big deal, whether we say will bite or may bite. Well, here's what I'm trying to plan ahead for. When somebody goes looking at your policy or somebody scrutinizes what you're doing, this warning is, is part of what they're going to scrutinize. And if your warning is saying the dog may bite you, your statistics actually prove that that is probably going to be the case. And while it seems very minor in nature, I think it's a huge step, as minor as it may be, to help protect yourself. Absolutely, because I think it also it demonstrates almost a mindset that no, we don't expect our dogs to bite everybody that they come in contact with. Yeah, exactly. And again, I know 
and, and again, I don't want to sound negative about this. Sometimes we get a little bit macho. Sometimes we have a little high ego going. Not, you know, not arrogance, but a high ego that, you know, hey, our dogs, when they find somebody, they're going to bite them. Well, again, I, I, and I, I demonstrate this and I ask for when I get a bite ratio, I show that that's not necessarily the case. And the same thing goes with the policies. You know, when we're looking at our policies, um, most of the policies that I look at across the country, they pretty much indicate at the beginning of their canine policy that the dogs are being used as a locating. Exactly. And so, um, and they will, will also say that the, the dogs will be used to locate and apprehend if, you know, um, and again, there's got to be a distinction between the two, but it's a locating tool. And when we deploy these dogs, again, I think sometimes we just ignore the fact that 75% more of the time when we send the dogs out searching for someone, they find them and don't bite them. Yeah. So, yeah, I I like your idea, though, that when somebody does come looking at your policies and the world we live in now, you know, they're looking at everything. And I used to never be scared about, you know, the idea that maybe they'll take police dogs away from us. Uh, but now everything's on the table. I think last time we talked, I used the analogy that, you know, in some of these cities, you can't throw gas during a riot. So everything's on the table. So being very careful and choosing words, you know, to describe what we're really doing, I think is is paramount uh, at any time, but especially in the environment that we're living in right now. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, and again, I don't... Uh Having just spit this, did this class recently in Washington, those guys are under attack a lot. And uh, they just had, I mean, they had anything over a 50 caliber round can't be used up there. So they've quit carrying shotguns. Yeah. They've, uh, you know, they're not deploying tear gas. Um, and I read one inc- about one incident, and I talked to a few of the people up there about an incident they had recently where a police dog got injured. And what was good about it <laughs> is that it was still a crime in Washington that would injure a police dog. <laughs> so I felt good about that, not to the fact yeah. that the dog got injured. But there, and, and, and literally at the beginning of this year in January, there was proposed legislation that started off that all dogs have to be on a yeah. lead or a leash. Yeah. And that got changed, literally got changed to prohibit yeah. the use of dogs to arrest and apprehend. Oh, my yeah, gosh. They, and they, and I'd had a few people come to me and ask for some help. And I went through an email that had some bullet points trying to justify why the dogs, why they wanted to eliminate the dogs. They were basically a signature away, weren't they? Yeah. Bites and hospitalization were some, some misleading facts. Uh, they had some racial things. Uh, but none of them were, were justified. And so I sent them back some information that they shared with the legislator. And amazingly, they dropped that, uh, that legislation, not just because of me, those guys up there were really fighting for themselves. They were fighting and they were following through and they got it removed, um, completely. But what was sad about it, and I learned this again when I was up there, that the other entities involved in law enforcement uh, weren't doing a good job fighting. And that's why they lost some of the stuff they did, because they didn't have anybody representing that cause, whereas the canine people were up there fighting tooth and nail to save uh, save canine, and they were successful. But I've also learned since then that there's still uh, work afoot sure. behind the scenes to try to, again, severely restrict or limit the, you know, the dogs yeah. up there. So, yeah. And I've talked to handlers across the country who are facing different, you know, different reasons of that. And, and, uh, 
you know, if if all we can say is that the dogs are better for our safety, that's not a big issue with these people who want to prohibit them. They don't care much about our safety. So it's definitely a time to be, um, if not paranoid, at least uh, very due diligent in all, all that we do, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think, and, and, and we can't be burying our heads in the sand. We can't sit here and just wait back and hope yeah. everything will be okay. Yeah. We're beyond those times. We're beyond those times. And it doesn't matter if you've got a one-dog program or a 10-dog program. You know, you need to right now start thinking ahead and start looking out there what people are attacking you on and what they're searching for. And that's what you got to start doing. And this, again, something as simple as changing one word from will to may in an announcement could be enough to help save your own program. Exactly. And to, and to be able to show, yeah, we did a review and here are the changes we made and, and that we're being proactive about this. And, you know, we've tightened up some of our deployments. I think that is just common sense. I think we should be tightening up everything we're doing in, in law enforcement right now. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, it's, to me, I see it as a simple solution, even though uh, this barrage is coming at us. But any little thing we can do can help and and again it's just supports what we're doing already exactly because again i mean i don't you know i don't know what your bite ratio was i don't you know, i don't recall what mine was but again just based on the norms people you know yeah. the stats show that when dogs find you they don't necessarily exactly. bite you exactly and so that's what the and we don't want the other thing I, and i don't remember if i wrote this in the article or not but Again, the people believe we have these biting machines out there, and every time we deploy the dog, it's going to bite somebody, and it's going to put him in the yeah. hospital, and it's going to be bad for him. Uh, no, that's not the case. And here's we can show you it's not the case. And look at our warning here. Even our warning when we tell somebody, hey, if you don't come out, the police dog may bite you. Yeah. And it supports what we do. Yeah. I think it's a. I think it's a great uh, point. You know, like you say, maybe it's a small, small change, but I think it's a, it's a valid point that uh, you know maybe maybe we don't talk about very often. So I'm glad you glad you wrote that article. I think we've also talked a little bit about you know maybe tuning up some report writing things. Is there anything that you've started added in with the reports based on you know some of the changes that are going on too? You know, the one, um, the one key thing, and, and again, it was almost just like a light bulb when it came on here. And again, it came from, um, uh, I've got two active cases right now that I'm working, um, here in California, but the one word, and this was never really a part of my vocabulary when I worked, but de-escalation. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know what we as canine handlers, we have been de-escalating forever. I mean, exactly. we give the announcements and we give everybody an opportunity to surrender. We, as a last resort, you know, oh, here comes the dogs. But we don't use this word. And this came up in uh, about four weeks ago in my uh, California class. A handler just asked the question, how do we address de-escalation in the report writing section of the class? And I thought for a minute, and I'm like, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, and I kind of answered it, but when I got home after the class, I answered it more thoroughly, and I wrote another article on that, uh, you know, as a report writing tip. But de-escalation, here's something else. Very simple to put in your report, uh, something along the lines of whatever your policy or your state law requires, 
you just kind of copy that that verbiage and you put it into your report and you say, you know, something to the effect of, uh, after approaching this situation with the intent to de-escalate it, yeah. and you might give some examples of what you did and stuff like that, then you go into your justification for deploying your dog. But I think there again, if if somebody's reading your report and they see, oh, look at here, de-escalation. Yeah. And it's there already. If you didn't throw that word in there, it's there. But by throwing the word in there, that de-escalation in there, again, whatever, whatever your policy or your state law is asking you to do or requiring you to do, that little word in one little sentence, I think, benefits your report and benefits what you're doing. Exactly. With very little effort. Yeah, you're not changing what you're doing. We've, we've been doing that forever. Yeah, we just never use the word. And, and I'm going to tell you, I mean, I've been teaching canine report writing for, what, 11, 12 years now. Uh, and when this came up, I just, uh, I thought to myself that that's great. That is great. And, and if you throw that in there again, it shows that you're being timely with, um, the laws that are, that are coming at us left and right, Yeah. but you are, you're complying. Exactly. I'm trying to deescalate and you're actually using that word. And by using that word, it strengthens, uh, yeah. Your repertoire, I think, when you're uh, preparing that, and I think uh, your your idea of of maybe even printing out. I mean, we we you know in my state we got a you know bunch of crazy laws too, where they you know have attacked um, you know our our qualified immunity, and they put in all kinds of buzzwords in there. So I like your idea. You know, if I was still a patrol dog handler, I think I would print out that whole long bill that was basically written in crayon, find out all the different. Uh, buzzwords they put in so that way i can put those buzzwords in and show that at least i'm cognizant of of their law i'm trying to follow it as best as i can here's everything i'm doing just just to you know basically protect yourself and and again for the most of these different uh so-called police reform bills that that i'm seeing they're not changing mostly what we're doing i mean unless it's restrictive but when they're saying to de-escalate cops have been de-escalating you know for a hundred years so that's not new stuff it's you know maybe we have different tools to do it but um, i like your idea of you know basically knowing exactly what your what your new laws are your new rules are your new policies are print those out and and read those and and use all that in your report because I would say you probably have done everything they're asking you to do just to make sure you actually put it in writing is going to help you a lot down the road. Yeah, a- absolutely. And that's, to me, the number one report writing tip uh, to, do, to new handlers, to current handlers, any handlers, anybody who writes a use of force report, but canine handlers, you should have a copy of your policy sitting right next to you when you do your report. And as you just suggested, you should also have any of these, and I'll just use the term buzzwords that are being yeah. used in uh, state law or legislation. And if there's a, a description of de-escalation or if there's a requirement that you de-escalate and it provides some verbiage that is you know, telling you how to do it or what to do, that should be sitting right next to you as well. So you can, based on your situation, incorporate that verbiage into your situation, almost like a puzzle. Sure. And let me ask you this, because you were a canine supervisor, and we've not really had this exact uh, question between each other before. What would you say is the duty of the canine supervisor then? They've written their report. It's all done. Come and hand it to you as a supervisor. 
what's this, what's what should they be doing too? Good point. And I will also say this um, about good reports and bad reports. But I'll talk about bad reports because I've read some bad reports. Sure. There are some bad reports out there, and I always hold two people accountable: the report writer and the supervisor who reviews exactly. the report. So when that report comes to me as a supervisor, and I may see in here, oh my God, he did such a great job, or she did such a great job on de-escalating the situation, uh, but he didn't use the word. Yeah. And I think today, if that was on my desk or you know coming through the computer, however it got to me, I would send it back because, and again, if it was today, I would have already been preaching this, but if this was something that I have not been aware of and I need to start getting my people on board with this philosophy, if we want to use that term, um, I kick it back and I say, hey, this is a great report. But here's what I would suggest in relation to adding the word de-escalation and what you've got on right there. Um, And that's going to be the role of supervisors. They're going to have to be insistent upon that. Going back to the police dog may bite you, uh, again, um, some of the reports will generally say what the announcement is. They may do it verbatim if they can quote it, uh, like on a body cam or digital recorder, or they may just infer, I gave three canine announcements. Well, I would, again, as a supervisor today, I may ask my people to make sure you, you put in there that you said the police dog may bite you, um, again, as just a means to verify what we're doing or confirm what we're doing uh, in there. The role of a canine supervisor, any supervisor reviewing this report is so critical. And yeah. I get reports sent to me quite often just to, to, to give a once over, just take a look, you know? Um, and these are some of the things I see. And now it's almost like uh, in my class, I just make a list of what I look for when I get a report. Um, and I just now updated my last class and I put this de-escalation in there because I never had it in there before because I really wasn't aware of it because I'm not working right now and I really rely on the input of others sure. to bring me up to speed. Um, and so now, and I just, I remember going into my PowerPoint and going into that little checklist that I kind of put on there when, what I look for. And I added the de-escalation on there, um, cause it was brand new. Um, and I actually, when I got home too, I had to go and look at our laws. Uh, the laws in California, I actually looked at the laws from Washington just to see what kind of verbiage they were using in there. And it's nothing there. It's pretty universal across sure. the country, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, we, cause, and I've read articles, you know, it's de-escalate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do it. And I'm going to put it in my report that I did it. And with these various entities that are, they're now putting together for, you know, before it was a civilian review board. Now, I don't know how many different layers of review they want for everybody you know probably until they get the answer they want but at least when all these different civilians who have never done our job are going to start reviewing everything we've done they're going to compare the same thing they're going to read the law here's what what should the officer have done or I, i would hope they would do that and here's his report and they both mirror each other and then body camera that also shows yep he did what he said he did hopefully that'll help out a lot of officers you know from getting jammed up by any of these different reviews that are coming up? No, absolutely. And it's so important that your report marries up to the law and what these expectations of people are. Um, what, the de-escalation, the, the warning that the dog may bite. These things are what people are going to be looking for. And these are things, too, that a supervisor and a handler has to be aware of. You know, we do a pretty good job of outlining why we're going to deploy the dog based on our deployment policy. And now it's just a couple of a, a little yeah. tweaks 
nothing major changes, but it could be a much more effective report. And again, not only addressing, I don't know, you know, the meat and potatoes of what we do. We send the dog on bad guys. We send the dog on bad guys. Oh, by the way, (laughs) we also (laughs) de-escalate, you know, and our warnings say, you know, they may bite you. Uh, Those are two, you know, just two little minor changes in a report because overall, I see good reports. And I think we do a good job as an industry. You know, I know a long time ago I was taught that the mindset needs to be to explain that, you know, that the suspect had to make a series of decisions and ignore lots of chances to surrender before he actually got dog bit. And I think we've done a pretty good job of doing that. And I think it's just a matter of tweaking a little bit of verbiage and we're still doing the same thing, whether you want to call it de-escalation or, you know, that I gave him warnings or whatever, you know, it's, it, 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 I think we're pretty good at, at explaining, you know, I just responded to his, his, he dictated how this happened. Right. And, and I just did a review uh, or did a presentation on a, on an incident for a deployment and where it was a standoff and the suspect refused. I mean, I don't know how many times, face-to-face telling this guy, hey, if you don't give up, we're going to use the dog over and over. And eventually they used the dog. And what got lost in this whole thing was that, what you just said, the suspect, when made fully aware of what's going on, accepts the consequences when they refuse to surrender. You know, it's very plain and simple. If you don't, and, and and, and I would say this, I probably wouldn't use the term "may bite you" on a directed employee. Sure. I'm gonna. I'm probably Absolutely. gonna say the dog yeah. is gonna sure. is gonna bite you because uh, it's very clear yeah. when we don't know if the dog's gonna bite him. We should be using the term "may," but on a directed apprehension or a or a standoff yeah. where we know the dogs they're gonna bite him. Hey, dude, yeah. if you don't cooperate and you don't surrender, the dog will yeah. bite he's you. He's not a search so tool. No yeah. doubt. At this point, he's not a yeah. search tool. There's no. <laughs> no doubt in anybody's mind what the consequence is going to be there's no may this is a will yeah i think you and i've also talked a few times about some verbiage about whether the the suspects heard the announcements or not i think uh, i don't know if you want to touch on that yeah in fact uh yeah you're a master (laughs) i don't know about that but (laughs) um yeah yeah i went to one of your classes i mean years ago at hits and you were teaching i think it was a patrol dog tactical yard search class or something like that and you um you actually made this statement, and I wrote it down then, and I've been teaching it ever since. But um, when you're given an announcement, if you're within close proximity, you you made this statement. It would have been physically impossible for the suspect not to have heard my announcement. And, I, and I'm going to tell you that that's gold. That's gold. That was one of the best things I think I've ever picked up in a class. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But, but I... But it's but it's good, and again, I actually use that, and I think I shared this with you a yeah. couple of weeks back. But I actually use that in one of my expert witness reports, where the um, the the officers are at the door of a house, small residential house. Um, they make, I mean, they're yelling. It's all on body cam. There's no doubt. In anybody in that house, in any place, would have heard this warning. And the suspect, and he was, as you you know, you kind of entered this quick little entry point, left a right turn down a hallway. And the first bedroom on the left is the suspect's bedroom. And that's where the dog finds him. Um, and I actually put in my expert witness report because the suspect claimed he was asleep. Yeah. But I put in there, if the suspect was not asleep, it would have been physically impossible for him not to heard all of the warnings by the patrol and by the patrol officers and canine handler. 
Um, so I thought it was good yeah. stuff. And, and when I mentioned it in my class, I, I said the same thing. If you can use it, and I try to caution, I mean, it's a kind of a direct quote in a way. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't want to, hey, I think I've seen this before. <laughs> well, you know, you, you probably have, but you've also seen, seen something that said I sent my dog based on the severity of the crime. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the great report writing tip. If it fits into yeah, your situation yeah. and if you feel good and if it doesn't always apply, don't use it. But that was gold, Jeff. You came up with a winner there. I appreciate that. It, that's just it was pretty standard protocol uh, uh, when I was still in patrol canine that we just got in the habit of uh, we would do our like area search announcements. We'd do them over a loudspeaker and then we'd ask the cops on the other block. Can you hear that loud and clear? Did you hear it? And if there was contact made, we would go to the cops that were on the perimeter and, you know, everybody doesn't want to have to write an extra, you know, statement, but we would grab quick, you know, three, four line statements from them because uh, they were just on the perimeter and say they're on the perimeter and I did hear the announcements. And so we could show that every corner of this block, you could hear announcements. So the fact that this guy was in the fourth yard in the backyard, he's got no excuse for saying he didn't hear what was going on. So, and those are those little things that I think you would probably agree with me. You do them routinely and then it's it's the you know you get these uh, cases that you you know maybe dog bites that you think oh this is you know this is kind of a big deal and you never hear anything about it and then when you get served your federal papers to go to court it's some um, one that you didn't think was any big deal so if you if you you know cross all the eyes or cross all you know I'm trying to say cross all the t's dot all the eyes on every <laughs> one of them then when when you get those papers it's like ah oh, which one was that on because I'm good I just wonder which which case was this on and that's no big deal so spend those extra you know, 10 minutes of getting a few extra statements from perimeter officers that everybody heard the announcements and what they heard. And, and that might do you some good, uh, either civilly or, you know, any of these reviews later on down the road. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think one of the first articles I think I ever wrote dealt with the announcement and, and basically the title was, can you prove yeah. you gave one? Yeah. Um, and what you're just saying right there, going around and interviewing, not only the officers who heard it, because you know what? I don't know if you know this. Nobody believes police officers anymore. <laughs> I, heard, uh, so I heard that you on CNN. That, but then you also <laughs> you also then want to go searching for civilians yep. or other yep. people not tied to this situation. Yeah. And always be careful when you're when you're interviewing them. Don't say something like, "Hey, did you hear me give a canine announcement and warn this guy to give up?" And they say, "Yes." That's wrong. You want them to say, "Hey, did you hear anything?" And you Great want point. them in their own words to tell you, because it's probably yeah. not going to be verbatim what the warning was, yeah. but you want to hear, oh yeah, I heard something about a police dog and I heard something about, uh, somebody may get yeah. bit yeah. Great point. If, if they don't surrender and boom, there you go. You've just locked them in. And again, it doesn't have to be verbatim, but don't leave the witness as they say, um, exactly. let them tell you in the own words. If they need help, you could help them, but ideally you want them to say it in their own words. And that goes for perimeter officers as well. Uh, this case that I just mentioned about the warnings where the guy said he was asleep, I had to go through, and I went through so much body cam from all the perimeter officers because I wanted to see if we had anybody in the back who could yeah. have heard this. Yeah. And one who was maybe three houses away in the backyard, you could just barely hear it. Not really good enough to use as evidence, so we had to we had to interview that officer again. What did you exactly yeah, hear? Yeah. And it was pretty much, "Please, dog, we'll bite you." Yeah. 
something, and oh, they heard his name as well. Uh, but but they couldn't piece it all together. That was good stuff. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think these are all good things. You know that hopefully uh, people are listening to this. Maybe take a minute and look over your your last uh, apprehension report, um, or if you're a supervisor, look over the last one that you reviewed and and just see because I, I I think pretty much any of us when we write these things with uh, you know different set of eyes looking at them and with some of this we could probably. Uh, tighten things up just a little bit and it's always good to we spend a lot of time with the leash in our hand but uh as you know and you teach the pen in your hand can also uh, be pretty important and maybe maybe look at that no, a absolutely bit. and uh, yeah and in on a, and in my article uh on the website there i have a just a very brief paragraph that's it's either one i think it's just one long sentence but it it deals with something that you could use kind of as a template uh, not a cut sure. case, but as a template to uh, incorporate that de-escalation into your uh, into your report. Perfect. And I'll put it in the show notes. But for people that are listening right now, uh, where do they sign up for your newsletter? They could go to my website, go onto the homepage, and it's Tactical Canine. That's with a K and with a nine. USA dot com. And on that, uh, and it's actually, and the menu is also there, uh, but right above uh, reasons we get in trouble, there's a, uh, a, a subscribe to email list. You just put your email address in there, you hit subscribe, and um, you'll be notified of uh, when articles come out, when reasons we get in trouble comes out, and if there's any other thing happening out in the canine world, I think super important. And I don't overwhelm your email box. No, so don't be no, afraid you don't. of getting a, a ton of uh, bad stuff. Yeah, no, it's all. I, I, I look forward to your emails. So I appreciate that. And then uh, last time I gave you a hard time about your AOL address, your email address. But if you want to want to throw that out, you're the last person on earth that has an AOL address. So it's <laughs> that's not that's not true. I actually sent somebody a, a, an email today that had AOL. Was that was um, that your grandmother, <laughs> maybe? But <laughs> <laughs> no, it was my mother. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, uh, S G T like Sergeant S G T and then B as in Bill Lewis, L E W I S then the number two at AOL.com. So if you're looking at it, it might look like Sergeant B Lewis two at AOL.com. Perfect. I'll put those in the show notes too, but, uh, just in case somebody's listening. So Bill, I appreciate it. I know you're busy, but, um, I always like picking your brain and your things are always real timely. So I appreciate you jumping on today. Okay, Jeff. Well, I appreciate uh, you talking to me and sharing this information, and hopefully we're helping people. Hopefully. Um, and that's our goal. And so continue your good yeah. work, man. And we will uh, we'll be on again real soon, I'm sure. I've got lots of different topics I always want to pick your brain on. So thanks again, Bill. Mm-hmm.